We're continuing in the Gospel of John, and I'm going to do a little bit of an overview of where we've been and pick out some particular things, especially as I feel is relevant to what the world is going through right now. When Jesus says, my peace I give to you, do not let your hearts be troubled or be fearful. My goal today then is to truly experience Jesus' promise where he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. And my, my plan for today is that we're going to look at the old covenant promises and then we're going to look at the new peace from Jesus. And then we're going to look about how to be connected with the vine. So quick overview of John. John falls into two halves. The book of signs, which is chapters 1 to 12, where we have Jesus' public ministry. And then the book of glory, which is 13 through 21, which we're now in. The book of glory begins with a meal with the disciples in the upper room. And it ends with a meal with the disciples on the beach. And then in the middle, we have two parts. We have four chapters of teaching from Jesus, which is the most amazing teaching that's unparalleled in its uh, content, really, in the rest of the scripture. And then we have chapters 18 through to 20, which is his arrest, his crucifixion and his resurrection. We are in 14 to 17, just past the middle of that right now. And the last four weeks we've done this. We we looked at Jesus, who is the God who will wash your feet. He loves you to the end. This is how this section begins. Jesus, who loved them, loved them to the end. And this is our God who will never let us go. Whatever happens, any earthly systems can fail. People can fail, but God will never let us go. And when somebody says to you, I'm never going to abandon you, that's great, depending on who they are. You know, if they're if they're somebody that's very frail and weak, it really doesn't help a lot. But if it's God himself, the maker of the universe, who says, I will never abandon you, then what could be more secure than that? And then we looked at Jesus, even though he was about to go into this extraordinary ordeal, he said um, that take care. I'm I'm caring for you. I'm concerned about you. Let not your hearts be troubled. And he was unselfish. And then he said, actually, this is what the father is like, because I came to show you what the father is like. And the father is unselfish. And the father puts others before himself. Quite extraordinary. And then this invitation to step into this love between Jesus and the father. And we're going to look at in that again in just a few minutes. And then last week we talked about the vine and being connected to this new life and how you can only be connected with this if you're connected with Jesus. You can only bring forth fruit if you are dwelling in him. So what I want to do then is today I'm going to um, ask a few questions. And this is a question that I often get asked nowadays. Uh, in the world in the last in the last couple of weeks as uh, several people have said to me um is covid-19 a punishment for the world and uh, i would say yes and no uh, all sickness is a result of brokenness 
and brokenness comes came into the world because humankind decided to break with connection with God. And it's God who sustains life. And by breaking connection with God, that allowed sickness to come into the world. So, yes, in that sense, it is. Um, however, I don't think we can say there are specific sins that a specific sickness is, is uh, in condemnation for, unless there's some revelation to support that. And furthermore, um, when we look at, uh, say, the book of Revelation talks about plagues. And in the book of Revelation, when those plagues come, they are, uh, the purpose is that people should turn to God. And so our hope is that all of the uncertainty of life at the moment is actually going to cause people to turn to God. And actually, I've seen some stuff on the Internet. I saw one guy who says, I'm an atheist, but now I'm praying. So there is a, an element to this that this can happen. So um, so I would say then, is it um, a punishment for the world? Well, in some senses, but more, I think it's more useful to think of it as a wake up call for the world, that one day we're all going to die and that we need to face this, the shortness of life. Um, and then I would say the gold ultimate solution is the new creation. And in the new creation, we can enter in to this new life and the the new creation has no sickness it's perfect there is no uh sorrow even and jesus has made a way for us to come into the new creation and to leave behind the brokenness of the old so another question that i've been asked multiple times is does psalm 91 um speak to our situation does it give us a free pass for sickness and I think this is an important question. I want to address this in the first part of the message today, because I think it's so important. And so let's have a little look at Psalm 91. So I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to say there are some verses which talk about healing from sickness. So verse two, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the hunter and from the deadly plague. That's verse 3. And then uh, we can later on see um, verse 6 refers to plagues. Do not fear the plague that stalks in the darkness, nor destruction that comes at noonday. So a couple of verses there very much seem to be speaking about promises that you will not get the plague. You'll be free from sickness. What are we to do with that? Um, how are we to how are we to understand those promises? And there's a lot of stuff out on the internet where people are are um, really putting those promises as things that we have a right to, and Christians will not suffer from the plague. You know, Christians will not get COVID nineteen. That's what they're saying. Um, so how do we relate to this? Because this is an important question. We believe the Bible. Well, the real problem is that we when we look at all the verses in this psalm. So let's look at. At verse 5, it says, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. So there are two things going on in this psalm. the sickness and there's warfare. And a lot of the verses are about protection in warfare. So you will not fear this arrow of warfare that comes by day. Um, and then it also, verse 8, it says, you will, um, you will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. So in other words... This is a that you will with your own eyes 
see, before your very eyes, to see your persecutors destroyed. And then uh, the last verse actually promises that you won't die young. With, with long life, I will satisfy him. So the promise there is that you won't die young. You'll die as an old age. So let's just bear in mind those statements, not just about sicknesses, but about how we relate to the world. And we're going to move on to our next few verses in John. And um, I'm going to look at, uh, let's just see, what shall I look at first? Um, I think I'm going to give an overview, first of all, what we did last week, and then we'll move on to the verses for this week. So I'm going to give this overview, and I particularly want to look at verse uh, verses 8 and following. But let's just look at how the whole section works. Jesus starts off by saying, love one another. And uh, my, if my words dwell, if you if you you dwell in me, and my words dwell in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. And then says, "My Father is honoured by this that you bear much fruit and show you're my disciples." And then there are three sections which I described last week, like buds of a flower. The first is how I Jesus dwells in the Father is a pattern for you. Now, this is very important. This is crucial to the whole flow of this part of John. How I dwell is a pattern for you. And then this is how you do it. And then now you are with me and the Father. We're together in this. And then he concludes with some lines that match the opening um, about bringing forth fruit. So let's look at how this works. And this is probably the most crucial part in verses 9 through to 11. It says, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Dwell in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will dwell in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and dwell in his love. These things I have told you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So very clear there, um, the relationship from Jesus to his Father is a pattern for us. He obeys his father's commands, and as a result, the, there's this connection of dwelling with one another, and we are to do the same with him. So this is very clear. Um, <clears throat> then he he opens the middle section here, which is how this is done, and it's done primarily by following the pattern of laying down the life. So he says, uh, "This is my commandment, verse twelve, to love one another." just as I have loved you. And then the central verse in this in this beautiful flower, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his beloved friends. You are my beloved friends, if you do what I command you. It's a very clear idea of Jesus being a pattern for us. And it's important to see that when we move into this, these next verses, which are going to help us to understand Psalm 91. There is a negative side to following in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus' life on earth was not a bed of roses. He says, If the world hates you, be aware that me first, before you, it hated. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as, as its own. But because you do not belong to the world... But I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. 
And then he repeats something very similar, uh, what gives a picture. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they obeyed my word, they will obey yours too. But they will do all things to you on account of my name. And then he talks about how this is because of his relationship with his father. Because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But they are no lo- they no longer have any excuse for their sin. The one who hates me hates my father too. If I had not performed among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen the works and have hated both me and my father. Now this happened to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So I think the idea is pretty clear here, particularly right at the beginning, that um, uh, I chose you out of this world and because of this, the world hates you. And so when we identify so closely with Jesus, we don't get to just get the positive things, which is the joy and the power and the peace and all of those things, the fruitfulness. We also get persecution from the world. And... Um, so here really is the, the big issue because Psalm 91 promised being able to trample lions underfoot. It says that very clearly. Yet Christians were thrown to the lions in large numbers in the time of Nero. What was happening there? Um, Psalm 91 promises long life, but Stephen and James were martyred in very very soon what's going on there is that did they were they not really trusting properly in the promises in psalm 91 here's the key idea psalm 91 belongs to the old covenant the old covenant was external and it was in the present but and it but the problem was it was conditional keep these laws and you'll get these physical blessings um break these laws and you'll get these cursings. It wasn't about grace. The old covenant was very much about do this and you'll be blessed. And uh, as a nation, they failed to enter into these promises because they were under the law and they weren't under the power of the Spirit. The promises were law and law has no power. Um, and the kingdom was visible in the present. The kingdom was the the nation of Israel. It was there as a physical nation, a land. It was in the present. And part of the way it worked is they were faithful to God and not to idols. And God would bless them as a nation externally, physically. They were not to mix with the other nations. They were to be separate people from the other nations. So this you can see the differences here now with with the kingdom that Jesus brought. And this is why the disciples had so much trouble. The disciples were expecting a kingdom like the old one that Jesus was going to bring, where all the enemies would be destroyed, as promised in Psalm 91, just immediately, you know, that they would be able to destroy the Romans, because that's what it seemed like Psalm 91 was about. They'd destroy the Romans, as cut down the enemies. Um, God will be a fortress and a shield for them on a physical level. And this was the kingdom that was being promised. And this is what why the disciples and many others were completely misunderstood what Jesus was doing. Um, but what we have under the new covenant is far better. 
We have assurance of forgiveness of sin, which they never had that assurance because they didn't have the spirit who brings assurance. We have the spirit who brings a relationship to God, a relationship to Jesus that they could never have. (laughs) But there is persecution and the kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, which is coming, but it's already present in some ways, but it's not completely here. So our security does not depend on us in the new covenant. Um, our inner companion brings us a peace that they could never have. There's no doubt that the new is better than the old. But I want us to really um, understand the difference here and to see how we are in a different place to the old. Um, a good example of um, the misunderstandings that they had would be the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Because according to the old covenant, if you honored God and and were good and and faithful, you'd be blessed physically. And so it looked like the rich man was the man who was was loved by God because of all the wealth that he had. And Lazarus was the poor man and he was a beggar. And so obviously God didn't love him. But it turned out it was completely opposite in the kingdom of God, that actually... um, The physical blessing didn't mean God's love. It was a different thing. And so Jesus is telling them that actually the true reality is still to come. um, And what we see now is a transitory phase where the kingdom is coming, but it's not yet. So what I've done then is I've um, talked about the old covenant promises. And now I'd like to look to talk about the new peace that we have in Jesus, which is the core of this message today. And then we're going to talk about how to be connected with the vine. So let's look at back at the passage in John chapter 14 and uh, verse 15 to 31. And this passage has four statements that are very similar about loving and command the commandments. Verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Verse 21, the one who has my commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, they will obey my teaching. And verse 24, the one who does not love me does not obey my teaching. And then it concludes with Jesus saying, um, I love the Father exactly as the Father commanded me, so I do. And so very close connection then between loving and keeping commandments. What I want to focus on as my main verses for today is the second part, verse 25 through to 27, verses 25 through to 27. These things I have spoken while dwelling with you, but the companion, you can also translate that, the comforter, the encourager, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will cause you to remember everything I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or be fearful. Aren't those amazing words? Those really touch me. As I was looking through uh, the, the, the verses we have in John in this 
time we've been going through, these just so grabbed my heart. And and I just find myself, I keep coming back and reading these because they calm me as I read them. And I think this is my Jesus who will never be separated from me. Speaking these words, he's going to, he gives me peace. He leaves me peace. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. And my prayer today is that just as I have this experience with these words, you will have an experience with these words, that you hear Jesus speaking them into your heart, because they are such precious, powerful words. And these form the core of the new covenant, the presence of Jesus in us. So um, Although the message, the verses that technically we're supposed to be doing are about the world persecuting us, I felt that we should actually give space to the answer that Jesus gives to the persecution from the world. So these verses reinterpret Psalm 91. It's not that Psalm 91 isn't valid. It's not that it's not true. It's just it should be looked at through the spectacles that Jesus gives us. Uh, I don't want to say it's no longer applicable. It's applicable, but we have to process it through what Jesus says, because he makes a shift from an external kingdom to an internal kingdom. Or, or sorry, not just internal, but a spiritual kingdom and one that's uh, one that's uh, also for eternity. Um, actually, in many cases, he will still heal the sick. And uh, last Sunday, Anne told us about that amazing occasion recently when New Life Church had been praying for a man who had a, a tumour in his brain and how the doctors had been amazed and, and said this has never happened the way that he was he was healed from his tumour. And uh, uh, so I would say we can pray the prayer of Psalm 91, um, but the promises may be fulfilled a little differently. Many, uh, many numbers of Christians, including people at New Life Church, were praying for Marianne Stanek, who, to be healed from her cancer. And she died a few months ago. Um, we can't say that we haven't had enough faith. I don't think that's right to say that. I can't say, we can't say, well, God broke his promises. Um, no, because she's actually completely healed right now. And actually, she is with Jesus. Her sorrow has been turned into joy. Um, but very often, um, uh, so God will answer our prayer by giving healing in the age to come. But nevertheless, he can do it now as well. And I would say there are two errors. Uh, you can think of healing now as bringing heaven into the present time bring the future into the present. Heaven is a place with no sickness. And when there's healing now, we're getting some of heaven. And I would say there are two errors to avoid in Christianity. One of them is to say there's none of heaven now. And the other is to say there's all of heaven now. If you say there's none of heaven now, you don't pray for the sick. You don't expect the sick to be healed. Uh, If you say there's all of heaven now, you say... Every single person must be healed. And if they're not healed, somebody, there's been a failure of faith at some point. Uh, I believe that the, that Jesus ministry and the New Testament is clearly teaching that the heaven has begun. 
but heaven will not be completely fulfilled until Jesus comes again. So we see some of it, but the heaven that we get now is like to whet our appetite for what's happening in the future and to increase our trust in God. So uh, Jesus has made a shift then from the external to the internal and sorry, the, from the external to the spiritual. Um, and the warfare that we're part of is not like David was fighting physical battles against the Philistines and so on. The warfare we now has is a spiritual warfare. And so the promises in Psalm 91 about victory are spiritual promises. We will never be defeated by Satan and by his forces. Um, they may kill our bodies, but they can't ultimately damage us at all. And so that is uh, the fulfillment of those promises. So um, I want to say then that we can experience this through being connected with the vine and by union with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And this is how we experience it. So I want to move on now to the last part of this message. We've talked about the old covenant promises, particularly Psalm 91. We've talked about this new peace from Jesus where he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Let my peace be in you. And now I want to talk about how this can flow into us. What actually makes, brings this peace into our lives? And how we're connected with this vine? How do we benefit from this? How do we abide in this? What does it mean to dwell or abide? Well, last week I suggested there were four answers and I only gave you two of them. I'm going to give you the other two now. So the two last week I gave you was, first of all, some sort of mystical experience of emptying yourself. And I said that usually the people who suggest that are using these verses as a hook to hang on some experience that they've had and give it some biblical justification. And I don't think that that's what it's talking about. Then the second answer I had was it's simply obedience. Well, you could get that easily from the verses. It does seem to be saying that. The trouble is, if you think a little further, what Jesus says is, if you connect it with the vine, you'll bring forth fruit. And the fruit turns out to be obedience. And so we end up with a chicken and egg situation. You can't be obedient unless you're connected to the vine. You can't be connected to the vine because you're connected by obedience. And so it's a catch-22. How do you get into that? And it really doesn't, it's really kind of a barren way of looking at it. It doesn't give us any hope, any way in. Um, the third one is it's about reading the Bible, praying, working on your relationship with God. And so you've basically got to just, get down there and study and be disciplined and doing that will bring you into the point where you connect with Jesus and this fruit flows. Um, this, this sounds, uh, it sounds very reasonable. Um, it sounds like a practical answer. Couple of problems with it. One, there are, there are people who do this and they do this very seriously and it doesn't help. Like there's a, the history of Christianity is littered by people who've just really tried to be disciplined as if that will give them an experience. And that doesn't seem to happen. It seems to be more than that. I don't want to say this isn't important. I think this is part of the answer, but it's certainly not the whole answer. The other thing that I would say is that it doesn't really do justice to everything that Jesus is saying here. And so I want to come up with a fourth answer, which I think it's about a union with Christ experienced by means of life in the spirit. 
And so uh, what Jesus is going to do in the next passage is talk a lot more about the Holy Spirit. And experiencing connection to the vine is through the Holy Spirit and through a union that he brings to Father and Son. And that needs a bit of unpacking. Uh, but the, I think the way to start this is by saying that when you become a Christian, a new life begins in you. We're born from above. There's a new baby that's in you. A new life comes to being born of the Spirit. The life of God is within you. And you can think of that as a little plant that needs sunlight and water. It needs to be grown. You can think of it as a little baby that needs to be fed and nurtured. And uh, what I want to suggest to you is what this is talking about is about the new life of the spirit that's within you being nurtured. This new energy almost, well, it's described as a new person in the New Testament. This new person being nurtured and grown. How does that happen? It happens by allowing that part of you to speak. So when you when you are faced with the situation, you'll get some words from the flesh spoken to you. Oh, this is I'm I'm gonna be lost, I'm stuck, I'm panicking. And the spirit in you will speak some words saying, It's okay, everything's you know, God loves you. You're safe, you're secure. And what this is talking about is giving attention to those words, not giving attention to the older words that are coming from what Paul calls the flesh. And the practice of listening to the words of Jesus within you and putting them into practice is, I believe, connecting to the vine. So this can happen in many ways. One example would be that you are in a situation where there's somebody that's, that's in need and there's a voice inside you that says, love, you should love that person. And loving that person, showing love to that person is the spirit in you, the spirit of Jesus Christ in you, giving that love. And so when you give attention to that, that part of you will grow. When you allow that voice to speak more clearly, that part of you will grow. And so what Jesus says, if you abide in my words and my words abide in you, then you'll bring fruit. And what Jesus means is those words that are in you are the new life of the spirit. Those words are the spirit speaking to you and abide in those by listening to them and putting them into practice. And as you put them into practice, that exercise of doing will increase that channel of life flowing from Jesus into you. So I've given one example, and that's when you have an idea, a thought of showing love to somebody. Um, but equally, it applies to when fear comes in and you can allow that fear to speak into you or you can take Jesus words, which is fear not. Do not be afraid. Don't be anxious. Those words are just as much the words of Jesus as the commands to love one another. And those words are in you if the Spirit is in you. They are there in you and they will well up in you and you have a choice. Are you going to listen to that new life that's within you or are you going to listen to the old? 
Paul talks about, he uses the analogy of clothing, putting on the new and not putting on the old. I'm using the analogy here of words because this is what Jesus is using in this passage. But it's the language of words. So I'm going to try and summarize this now and just pull it all together and really land this message. How are we attached to Jesus? How do we become more attached? Water the plant, feed the new life, give attention to it. Listen to the promptings from the new life that's within you, from the spirit. Faith is the act of following this voice. So it's faith that says, I'm choosing to listen to Jesus. who's telling me not to worry. I'm going to choose to do that because I believe Jesus. I think he's trustworthy. I think he, when he said that, I think I can hold on to that. And that's an act of faith. So to listen to these words, to be attached to Jesus is an act of faith. And uh, I want to go back to the passage and uh, look at those verses in just one moment. Uh, but I want to say then to summarize, water the plant, listen to the promptings and faith is the act of following his voice. And so I'm just going to go back now to um, chapter 14 and to the words, the words that we looked at and particularly the uh, verses 23 and 24. So let's just go back to these, to those verses. Um, take me a moment to do that. There we go. So John chapter 14, 23 and 24. If anyone loves me, they will obey my teaching. So this is listening to the voice. And the Father will love him. And we will come to them and make our dwelling place with them, which is through the Spirit, as Jesus later explains. So this incredible promise of what will happen if you actually take Jesus' teaching in. And then verses 24 and 25. The one who does not love, sorry, 25 and 26. Um, These things I have spoken while dwelling with you. But the companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will cause you to remember everything I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let do not let your hearts be troubled or be fearful. I want to end by saying there's a voice in you which is always upset and worried. There will always be one. Whatever, no matter how well things are going, there'll be a voice that's that. Choose to listen to this voice here. This voice in front of you in verses 26 and 27, verses 25 through 27. Choose to listen to this voice that speaks Jesus' words. This voice is in you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then ask Jesus. And if you have faith in him and trust him, he will give you this voice within you. If you put your confidence in him, then you will have nothing to fear. But I want to urge you in this coming week and the weeks to come to make these verses 
verses 25 to 27, like a rock, like an anchor for your life, that you can keep coming back to these, to these. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or be fearful. Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Jesus, that you see us in our anxiety. You see us in our trouble and you don't dismiss it. You don't brush it away and say it's nothing, but you come to us at that moment and say, it's okay. Here's my peace. I'm giving you my peace. Just hold on to me. I will take you through this time. Father, I pray that you will give us the faith to hold on to these words, that our connection with Jesus, our connection with you through the Spirit will grow stronger and stronger day by day as your life is in us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.